Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner, ready to rip it up in sunny Cincinnati. Got a lot on the show today. Going to preview the college football playoff. Also going to look at the NFL Week 17 games. Spend some time previewing those games. Also have the mailbag episode. Not only answering questions from people who left reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, but also if you go to speakpipe slash tailgate. No, speakpipe.com slash tailgate. Speakpipe dot com slash tailgate you can leave an audio like voicemail to join the show we got four people we had like tens of hundreds of thousands of people leave messages we picked the best four we're gonna throw them on here make sure you do that if you want to join the mailbag episodes on thursdays and then back into the show interview with texan m tight end jalen weidermeyer let's get it Weidermeyer, I hardly know her. Sorry, I, I I didn't tell the joke to him on. He's a really fucking nice guy, but I feel like How has do he you not. I feel like I could have, but I, I I get a little intimidated on Good those. Show. Right, those guys yeah. are those guys are big ball. The guys gonna be making tens of uh, you know multiple millions of dollars so a year. I, <laughs> come on, <laughs> maybe one year in my no. Um, catch an early buzz. Let's start with kind of a shitty spot, man. John Madden, obviously like famed. Raiders head coach. It reminded me a lot of my dad. Like when they ha- when, it, when I found out, I thought a lot about my dad. Like my okay. dad is such a big Madden guy. He's like always talked about yeah. Madden in high regard, and like he was like alive and well, like big Raiders fan when Madden was the coach. 80, 83. My dad was born uh, in the seventies or early seventies. Like he was a big Raiders fan um, when Madden was like a legit coach for the Raiders. He talked about him in high regard. And then obviously the broadcaster, right? Like it felt for Chris. I texted Chris last night. Chris obviously had a really good relationship with John Madden, Chris Collinsworth, owner of the company, also a broadcaster, obviously. Um, and then the game, right? Like he has impacted so many people and that one fucking hurt, dude. I know Madden is like older, right? And like, that's like yeah. whatever. But like, I, I mean, that, that one was a, a surprising one. And honestly, like, like I kind of, you know, sent out a tweet or whatever, but like obviously rest in peace, John Madden, this fucking stinks. He has been, he has been and will be one of the most influential people in the NFL and in football and has like touched so many people. I think uh, this one sucked, man. This one really sucked. He was not only, you know, one of the most beloved sort of people in, in the sport or just like generally like universally loved. And it's because he was genuine. Like he was that guy, he lived it, everything that he said on TV and everything he was as a coach and everything in the game. He was genuine to everyone. Like the stories that have come out afterwards have all been like very touching and very indicative of who he was. And then just to me, as my basically history of the game, like him announcing Packers games is my childhood. Like that was like yeah. me growing up. What made me fall in love with the game was not only watching him on TV and how entertaining he was as a broadcaster. But then the game itself, you know, playing in my teenage years, playing a ton of Madden, learning football that way. Like, I think this is one where everyone, besides a couple of people on Twitter, were do, universally. Do we want to give these people more? I think we should at least, one of them was incredible. I'm not going to read their name because I don't want yeah. any fame or any more. It, it, but like, there were some people on Twitter who just like, are fuck are ridiculous right like someone dies that is this impactful but like regardless of how impactful he was someone dies like so a human being dies yeah and they find that as an opportunity to leverage search engine optimization and trending topics to send out stuff like this like this person 
everyone eulogizing Madden, how many concussions could have been prevented had he not turned brain injuries into a video game? Like, that's just like legitimately, regardless, argue it's falsehood, argue it's merit. He just fucking died. Like, what is your problem? Like, what is honestly... That guy can't actually believe that, right? I, yeah, he that can't, right? Is. Like, he's just trying to go viral, which I is maybe. still fucked up, yeah. but that guy legitimately... But he, I mean, there's like a legitimate, like, five-tweet thread after where, like, they're, like, digging in, right? Like, Madden is not solely responsible for the fact, but it has played a big role or whatever. It's such a disaster. I don't even want to read any more of these around. This is, this is butt. I did like this story, though, from Cincinnati here, one of the, the former sports director... Uh, for WCPO here in town, tweeted this out. He said, I once interviewed John Madden at the Westin, where the CBS crew was staying. He came all alone, explained that everyone else had gone to lunch at Masonette, which is a former uh, restaurant here in town. It's a nice restaurant. And then he, John Popovich asked him, why didn't you go? I asked, oh, I went to Skyline, Madden said. There were still chili, <laughs> chains, st still chili stains on his shirt. And that my friends, is why a man's the best. Chris Collinsworth also, and I don't want to spend obviously a ton of time on this tragic situation, but Chris Collinsworth released a statement that I thought was freaking awesome. Um, if you love football, John Madden was probably part of the reason why. If you were lucky enough to watch his Raiders, you were you were likely inspired watching his free-spirited team playing with such heart. If you, wa if you watched him as a broadcaster, you learned the game from the inside out through the eyes of a former offensive lineman who understood every nuance of the game. But as a broadcaster, he will always be remembered as the original LOL. He could make you laugh for reasons you couldn't expect but also treasured but always treasured and if you remember him for his video game you probably learned how to play football without ever touching a ball but i will remember him for the night he had dinner with me at our house um i introduced him to two, my two boys who both played in junior football league john asked them about their respective teams an hour later john excused himself from dinner having spent his entire time breaking down the offensive and defensive scheme for those two teams my boys will never forget that neither will i chris collinsworth that was heartfelt man that was he was a big part of chris's life and uh john madden man fucking legend absolute legend to lighten the tone i'm deleting my twitter account <laughs> i sent this out okay so well, here's here's the breakdown i sent out a tweet that was terrible i it's one of my i, I, I want to delete it but i can't Drake London's 2021 tape is, quote-unquote, absolutely wild. Not a take, trash, not descriptive, but. He should be in the wide receiver one conversation. Not a take, trash, <laughs> but. The best was, thing was, the best thing was, I kind of saw the genesis of it because you had, you sent me a message on Slack before this being like, I could tell you're watching Drake London's tape and you're getting excited and you're like, I don't think wide receiver one's as crazy as... Like, I don't think his tape's yeah. great. Like I did a bad job explaining it, but yeah. Yeah. And so then, about five minutes later, this tweet comes out, and you got caught up in what we, like, make fun of here is yeah. you just get excited about a guy's tape, and you want to say something, but you don't, like, formulate, yeah. like, a an actual tape. point or yeah. hammer home a take about it. It's just, the tape's, tape's wild. Yeah. I mean, so here's and my thing. Is. Here's my thing. Drake London, before the season, I thought I would never be having the conversation that he'd be wide receiver one. Like I never even, I, I yeah. think it was Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, like maybe I, that was pretty much it, right? Like I didn't think anyone would even come into the conversation. Drake London though, like going back and watching his tape and obviously watching it throughout the season before he got hurt, like he was different this year, like legitimately separating as a big dude, like six yeah. foot five, two fifteen, and like separating at that size. Now he should enter that conversation for me. And I know that's not a take. If I could retweet this, resend this tweet. <laughs> Drake London's tape is good for these reasons, you know, separation improved, what he's doing at his size, and he should be a wide receiver, the wide receiver one, at worst wide receiver two in this, a wide receiver three in this class. My take or how I would formulate a tweet off of this 
all what disaster. you just said. <laughs> is I think the takeaway to me is there's a clear tier one of wide receiver in this draft class. It is Garrett Wilson. It is Drake London. It is Jamison Williams. And in that not tier Burks. one. Perks? Burks. Oh, no, not Traylon Burks. No, sorry. That's the, t- that's the tier one. Those three. Mm-hmm. Clear cut tier one, in my opinion. And of that tier, who you're drafting first is purely what you want. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is, do you want speed, vertical threat? And- you draft James Williams. Do you want possession, bigger wide receiver, maybe help you in the running game with run blocking better? A guy can do that. Drake London, if you want pure outside separator, Garrett Wilson. That's to me, that to me is how I see this wide And some of that Drake London conversation that we were having in Slack too, right? We were talking, I was talking a little bit about like Garrett Wilson's weight. Like I think, yeah. I think he might come in at like six foot. 185 to 190 like a small dude he's gonna be small and if he you know everyone i've talked to says olave is faster in a straight line and mm-hmm. olave will run in faster 40 now olave looks like a four fours guy right yeah. like a, like a, not a four threes four fours confirmed that yeah four fours it. if garrett wilson goes out there at six foot 186 188 and runs like a four five five four six that's yeah. gross like yeah. that's like Gross. So I hope that doesn't happen. And if it does, though, I think it could lead to Drake London entering the wide receiver one conversation with absolutely wild 2021 tape. Um, no, I'm not going to dig in, though. I'm not going to double down. That was a fucking trash tweet. Everyone, save your likes. Someone commented that. I laughed out loud. Save <laughs> save your likes. Don't like that tweet. Don't like that tweet. It's bad. It's not a good tweet. It's trash. Whatever. Uh. Anyway, let's get to the college football playoff. College football playoff one. You and I are watching the game in Clifton, right? It, I my take in the office, right? Everyone's been like, "Oh, I really want to watch the game. I don't want to go out for it. I know it's New Year's Day on uh, or New Year's Eve on Friday. That's fine. It's big. I want to watch the game." If you aren't in Clifton, which is where University of Cincinnati is based here in Cincinnati, it's the it's the area of Cincinnati called Clifton. If you're not in Clifton and this game is close. You're going to be hating yourself. That's true. Clifton's going to light on fire if they come close or win this game. That's true. I think I'm coming around to going to Clifton for it. You should. Also, school's out, too. It might not be as crowded as you think it is. Yeah, that's no, it's true. A lot of, you know, not a lot of the freshmen there, regardless. But, like, I, I think – so, say you we go to Clifton, right? The game starts at 3.30. Go to Clifton, and they're getting blown out. We leave. We can leave. Like, we don't have to be there the whole time. We can leave and go watch the game back at the office or do whatever you want to do uh, on New Year's Day. But I think we have to be there in Clifton for this. I would hate myself if Cincinnati wins and not get to experience 100%. that. 100%. But they are 13.5-point dogs. I know what they are. <laughs> I do think, though, and this is – I do think they cover. I think this defense matched up well. And it's like – yeah, they just torched Georgia, but I think Georgia did some things they regret defensively and would have a different game plan next time out against Alabama. And Alabama, Alabama, Alabama is also going to be a different offense without John Mechie. Mm-hmm. And so Cincinnati has a top flight corner. Stands a better cornerback than anyone on Georgia, for my money, in Ahmad Gardner. That can go follow around Jameson Williams if you want, or you can bracket Jameson Williams if you want. Luke Fickle's no slouch as a defensive mind himself. Like yeah. He's going to come with a game plan. You give him a month, he's going to find a way to stop James, maybe not stop James Williams, but do things to slow down this offense with really only now one of their top receiving threats. So I, 13 and a half points at that point, the biggest worry to me is their run defense. What are they going to do against the Alabama offensive line? And then what are they going to do to protect Desmond Ritter? Because those mm-hmm. are the places where you're just outmanned is along the line of scrimmage. I, I have confidence that they'll cover the 14 13 and a half like again like the two touchdown thing i don't know it, it, it'll be it'll be a hard fought game i think they have a better shot what's crazy is looking at that 13 and a half line right alabama versus cincy there are lines in the nfl that are bigger than that this week yeah. bills falcons at 14 
Jaguars, Patriots at 15 and a half, Bucks, Jets at 13. You rarely see like group of five versus Bama and the line's not even as big as the widest line in fucking the NFL. That's insane. Like they're giving third Cincinnati's getting a lot of respect here. I think a lot of people would expect this thing at like 20, 20 and a half. Yeah. 13 and a half. They're giving Cincinnati some respect. I do think that they match up well. It's, and if I'm it's betting that's better than Notre Dame got last yeah. year. Notre Dame, but also Bama was a little different last mm-hmm. year, too. The, the, the issue, too, I think, is if, if you tease it, right? So teasing it is getting, like, six points either side. If you tease it, you only get it to seven and a half. So you don't get the hook, right? Getting it over that key number matters. You hate when I talk about key numbers and betting. But, like, this is not a teaser spot either for Cincinnati. If you're betting Cincinnati, just take the 13 and a half points, maybe buy up to 14 or whatever. But I, I think... I'm betting Cincinnati this week. I hey. like Cincinnati to match up well. I'm betting them to cover the spread. And I might sprinkle a little Cheddar Bay Biscuit on the money line here. Why not? A little extra beers for the Cincinnati Legends if they do win. Georgia, Michigan. Georgia favored by 7.5. This is this one I don't think is going to be as close. I think Georgia... You're talking about Cincinnati and Bama matching up well. I don't know if... Michigan matches up well with this Georgia defense, right? Like Michigan has won football games single-handedly with that rushing attack. Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum. I think their offensive line won what? The Joe Moore Award. Like this is legitimately a running football team that has hit a lot of errors from Cade McNamara, who's had a really good season. I'm not saying McNamara's played like shit, but McNamara is not what has gotten them this point. Right? There is still a lot of hope in the building for J.J. McCarthy, that true freshman, to be the future at that position, potentially even as next year, as soon as next year. Mm-hmm. Cade McNamara, if he has to win this game, they're not winning, and it's not going to be close. So if Georgia does stuff the run, as they have done all year, I looked at every defense. I looked at every defense in the PFF era, college era. We've been tracking defenses since 20, or college since 2014. This is a top four defense against the run in EPA per play allowed <laughs> in, in, uh, among any power five defense. It's legit. I think this Michigan team can't run the football as effectively as they want to. And even if Georgia can't put up points, I think that's still enough for them to potentially cover the seven and a half. Yeah. And Michigan for as good and cohesive as their offensive line has been, there's still no replacement for talent. Like they don't have elite NFL prospects. George does, mm-hmm. you know, and when you when you go up against elite NFL prospects, the elite NFL prospects tend to win. I, like, I, I don't think the running game, you're going to have to be, Harbaugh's going to have to reach deep into his bag of tricks to pull out a W here. Cover, I, I, seven and a half is a lot for a team that's as has struggled as much as Georgia has offensively at times this season. Georgia is not a juggernaut by any means on the offensive side of the ball. So, this one's tough. I'm still going to lean with Georgia, though, because, like I said, I, that defense, I trust the results I saw all year long. And where they got exposed, I, I don't foresee Michigan able to Michigan being able to expose at those levels. Like I, that, that, Where they got exposed was Bryce Young dropping fucking dimes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trusting Cade McTamere you yeah. know, to, to do the same. It is a teaser spot, though, at 7.5. You get 6, goes down to a 1.5, essentially a pick for Georgia. I kind of like that. If you know a, have another leg, another college football bowl game you want to pair it up with, or even an NFL game could be a teaser spot if you like Georgia and you don't like the extra hook on the 7. But uh, I think I'm betting Georgia, betting Cincy. That's my take. If, if it does go as planned, Bama, Georgia, again, round 2 in the NCAA championship, the college football playoff championship, whatever they call it these days, who do you, who do you think is favored and who do you think wins? Oof. I think Georgia wins it all. No say. way, really? Yeah, I think Georgia wins what it. adjustments do they make? I mean, 
What can they make? I think I Bryce Young still just ruins them, and they keep Jordan Davis on the field, and they just I, throw all over him again. I think they have a better pass rush plan. I think they will put brackets on James Williams instead of, you know, not having yeah. Mechie in there. I think I think Bama's favored this time around, though. I think Bama by three. Yes, I can see that. I think Bama by three and a half, actually. Yeah. Bama three and a half over Georgia. If they both win, the favorites win. Ray, let's get to the NFL slate. The NFL slate is going to be a treat. There's a lot of bad games, but there are some good games. Rams, Breaking. love that analysis. <laughs> I might tweet that. <laughs> yeah. NFL Week 17. A lot, of- a lot of good games, a lot of bad games, all of which will be fun to watch and should be in the conversation for good for games. best week of the season. Uh, Rams at Ravens. Ravens are three and a half point dogs at home. Did you or did you not see the video of Lamar Jackson limping on whatever that field is they practice on? Yeah, the... Uh- the yellow... Whatever the fuck that is. The dead grass. The dead grass. Is it dead grass or is it painted yellow? I don't know. It looks too dead to be dead grass. It was violently dead. It looked like, so there are like golf courses that intentionally brown uh, in the wintertime, like the blade of grass or whatever browns. Have you Bermuda grass is is what that's called. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Quinn, (laughs) you know what Bermuda grass is? But there's like golf course. I played on golf courses where like in the winter it is brown. You still play it. That looked like that i just dropped um, a tweet in the tailgate chat it's that brown that is so yeah. consistently brown though i've never seen grass that like not patchy dead like this is dead dead like every single blade on that bitch <laughs> is dead i've seen dead grass before but it's never like this uniform right i mean it looks insane we need to get a agricultural well, it sounds like Scientist. Quinn is one of yes. the Bermuda grass over here. The Bermuda Triangle's live. Um, Quinn, you see the video. What's your take on it? Is that Bermuda? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not – I know what Bermuda grass is because I like to golf. I'm not a um, horticultural expert. Oh, is there that, we go. Is that what it's really called? Then. Wow. Horticulture? Yeah, that's like long anyway, stuff, right? Anyway, we've gone I off think. on the grass for too long. Lamar Jackson's like notably limping or gimping in this video. I have two takes. One, he's hurt. Yeah, he's practicing, he's hurt, and he's not going to play because it looks bad. Two, he's not hurt. He knows this video is going to be viral. And they're trying to show that maybe Lamar Jackson's not going to play to throw the Rams off. Mm. What do you think about that? Yeah, that would throw him off. Uh, I, I Don't also, you think it could? I'm not sure it matters. I, I'll take the Rams either way with this line. Really? Yeah. I, I, on the road. I get that it's on the road. On the man. dead grass. <laughs> I, I just we all saw what happened last week. This defense is just down too badly at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I like the Rams. That all right? I, I like the Rams as well. I, I what what do you think this line would move to if it was announced that Lamar Jackson wasn't playing? Right? Does like it move it a ton? To be six and a half, right? Right? Yeah. I I mean, I was wondering if it moves even a ton. Like, could it just yeah. be I don't four and a half? Because I think an injured Lamar Jackson right now. Look, looking at the gimp. And the line hasn't moved a ton since the dead grass video has been surfaced. I could see Huntley named the starter. This move line moves as far as four and a half, five and a half, but I don't know if it even gets through seven. So maybe bet the Rams now while Lamar Jackson limps around on the practice field. Falcons at Bills. This line is massive, man. This is too much. Bills favored by 14 at home over, yes, a bad Falcons team, but a Kyle Pitts led Falcons team that's trying to break a rookie record. 14 points feels too much. I think the Bills will be in control. I think it's going to be outside in Buffalo, and it's going to be tough for the Falcons to put up points. I smell a cheeky, cheeky Matt Ryan backdoor for the 14. I think it's a backdoor. I think the Bills dominate. They they never look out of it. They always look in control. But towards the back end, maybe Josh Allen doesn't even play the fucking fourth quarter. The Falcons crawl back in and sneak in the backdoor. 14 is a lot, but the Falcons also are a tough, tough 
offense. They have, like you said, Cal Pitts looking for a thousand. That's it. Best running back game, sure, but their offense lines kind of butt too. Like we've seen them go in the tank, tank. Shout out against the Patriots earlier this year. Three points against the Falcons. I think against defense like what Buffalo has, you will see something similar. So I'm going to take the 14. That's a lot. Wow, really? But Bills at home, I'll take them. I'm taking Falcons plus 14. Here's why. You always make fun of me because I called Cordero Patterson best running back in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Stephon Diggs, do you respect his opinion? Sure. I saw this. Yeah. Do you respect his opinion? I'm just asking. Um, About what? About running back talent. (laughs) No, he's watching. Stephon Diggs said... Cordero Patterson is the most talented player he's ever seen with the ball in his hands besides Adrian Peterson. Generational talent. <laughs> so I didn't even go that far. Stephon Diggs went far. Talk about having a take. He probably just doesn't watch a lot of running backs. I can see. Oh, stop. Oh, stop. Anyway, I'm taking Falcons plus 14. Giants, Bears. All right, I'm on to Chiefs fan. <laughs> this game, look, what this game is going to be awful. Yeah. It's this like, game's going to be terrible. It might you don't be want to bet Brom it just because you don't have to watch it. I mean, it. Foles. Yeah. It's going to be rough. And I just can't in good conscience spot a bad team six points. I don't care how bad the other bad team is. Yeah, It's like you're a bad like – bad, it was like the same argument with the Seahawks last week going against the Bears. It's like Seahawks are not a good team. They shouldn't – like when you get in a touchdown, it's not a good team. There's just too many things that can bounce your way when you are a team that's bad. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, don't, I don't know how to harp too much more on this point, but six points is just a lot. There. Dude, it's a six-point spread. Bears are favorite at home. And Joe Judge said this week that he's going to figure out who starts in practice. Have you not seen enough of Mike Glennon to make a decision? Or, like, is it Jake Fromm, like, having a really good three days? Like, I always find it wild that, like, yep, these two or three days of practice is really what's going to determine who plays a quarterback. Like, oh, my gosh. Open competition. Urban Meyer. Open competition this late in the season. I mean, that's just disastrous. I think there is value on the Giants. The, The total is also, like, 37. So a six-point line on a 37 (laughs) total just feels ridiculous. I think the Giants plus six. But also, I said this in my notes, don't watch this game. Don't bet on this game. It's not not what you need. Okay, there's nine games on the 1 o'clock slate. Find another game. If you live in Chicago, find another game. Stream something. Let me know. I'll give you my YouTube TV password. Please don't watch this game. Chiefs at Bengals. Bengals. Man, this is can we before we get into this game, I got to get an ad read because you got you need some time. This is a big, big game. X chair. Proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast. Working from home is more important now than ever. Optimize your home office with an X chair and many of our accessories to enhance your focus, productivity, energy, and comfort. Once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar, there's no going back. It's all in the LMX massage temperature and regulation. Exclusively designed and made for X-Chair with versatile comfort and extraordinary design, X-Chair legitimately fits any space. High performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. Go to xchairtailgate.com now. That's the letter X, chair, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E.com or call 1-844-X-Chair for $100 off your first order. X-Chair is a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as low as $30 a month. Extratailgate.com. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Two things. One, if you send me a picture of you in this X chair, like just getting into that feeling, you know, because remember there's part of the read that's like I sit in my X chair just getting that feeling, I will send you a PFF tailgate hat. That's what I can do. And I need it. Two, hand me the smelling salts because I need to rip them before we get into Chiefs Bengals. It's the game of the Enjoy week. Yourself. Game of the week, baby. Game of the week. It really is. We'll be, we'll be somewhere for this one. Oh my I, god! This is. I mean, this is. They clinched, they clinched the North with this. They clinched the North. That's a big game of the week in all caps. Leads off AG's notes. 
If you are betting KC, here's betting advice to start. I would buy, you know, up to six and a half, right? Like five points. Like this, I think Chiefs win by a time. This, I would buy up to six and a half if you are going to. You don't think it's going to be close if the Chiefs win? Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to be close if the Chiefs win. I don't think okay. this is a freaking, if it becomes a shootout, right? And it's Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. I, that would be rare. But I like, if you like the Chiefs, buy an extra point and a half. But Mike. I'm backing the Bengals. I'm backing the Bengals. You can't do it. You can't switch now. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, you're part of dog Nate. You know. I'm part of the, the jungle. jungle. I'm He's part, part of the jungle. jungle. I'm not backing them to win. I'm backing them to cover. I'm backing them to cover. Oh, I like well, Chiefs cover. I mean, Bengals cover. How's that half-assed? Here's what I why I'm backing the Bengals. Steve Spagnuolo. Those blitz packages. The house that he was bringing on some of these young quarterbacks. It ain't going to work against Joe Burrow. Let's go. 93.3 overall grade against the Blitz this year. One of the highest in the NFL. 10.8 yards per attempt. You're not going to fool this guy. He's seen it all at this point in time, even though he's only in year two. I mean, he's, he is poised beyond his years. I think he's played some damn good football. I think they're going to go blow for blow. Now, Chris Jones terrifies me against that Bengals interior offensive line. That's got nightmare written all over it. Whoa. And there's no Xavier real. Xavier Suafila's back. So. Game changer. Yeah. XFF. <laughs> XSF. 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 Yeah. That there's no, and the thing about Chris Jones and like interior rushers, there's no like, let's chip them. You know, you can, sure, you can uh, slide towards him, but like that also leaves you susceptible to blitzes almost nine times out of 10. Your slide is determined by the front you're playing, not, you're not basing your slide solely off of one defender. But when he does get one on one, if you are singling him up, it's, it's just L every time. So that one worries me, but I still believe in Joe Burrow. Give me the Bengals. I'm buying win. the shootout. I'm buying a shootout to win. To Say win. that louder. I'm saying it's a win. Bengals to win. I'm going. I have to fade the Bengals. I have to. If if, if Queen City wants to win, it has to be me fading them, right? If, yeah. if I back the Bengals, they're well, going to no. Get you actually lost. have to believe it. I believe yeah. it. I believe it. I believe this they cover. I believe bit. they cover. You can't do it for the bit. No, I don't. I don't think the Bengals win. I'm a part of the jungle, but I don't think the Bengals win. Wink, right. wink, wink. I don't think the Bengals win. But I like them to cover. I like them to keep things close. Zach Taylor, you threw on seventy percent of early downs last week. Do it again. Do it again. Throw on this defense. You have to. I think the Bengals have a top four receiving core in the NFL. Top four, maybe top three. I think you're debating Tampa when fully healthy, Dallas, and Tennessee when fully healthy. Bengals are right in that conversation for me. T. Higgins has been awesome. Jamar Chase, obviously. Tyler Boyd in the slot. I mean, it has been a really good year for this receiving core, and that's where you have to attack this Chiefs defense. Yeah, Chris Jones is going to eat you know, XSF's lunch, but I think Joe Burrow reacts to pressure well. He's played better down the stretch. Throw the football. Keep this game close. In the shootout with Patrick Mahomes at home in Queen City. Cover the five, but I'm not backing you to win because I can't. I can't. I'm a part of the jungle, but if they are going to win, they only win when I tell them they're going to lose. Mm -hmm. Bengals are going to lose so they can win. Does that make sense? No. Just go to the next game. <laughs> Raiders Colts. This line has gone out to, I think it was at six and a half, seven and a half when the Car you know, Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts were COVID free. Then it went down to one and a half. Raiders were only one and a half point dogs when they thought Carson Wentz wasn't going to play. Then the NFL changed the rules on what unvaccinated, what happens with unvaccinated players. So now he's going to actually come back and play at this game. Or could. Could, could come back. Could, but I think it's likely given the spread. If you don't think he's going to come back, yeah. you take the Raiders right now. I think it's likely he comes uh, back. Really, I wouldn't. I don't think it would bother me to take the Colts still. Really? <laughs> Even if he's not playing. Even yes. if freaking Eason or Ellinger is playing? Yeah. 
You would take them at six? Probably, yeah. Wow, that's terrible. I think it I think at six, I still feel I guess maybe I am with you. I still feel like the Colts win with Carson Wentz. <laughs> with Carson Wentz, this is I haven't had it in a while, Quinn. Well, it's because the Raiders themselves, Darren Waller, COVID, Casey Hayward, COVID. I think some a couple other guys in this defense could COVID. They mm-hmm. have their their own COVID questions themselves. So and that doesn't even factor kind of in how bad right they are. Now. Yeah, and that too. <laughs> Raiders aren't like have not played well. They barely struggled to beat Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos. Um, Colts, I think, will be getting a lot of these guys back from the COVID reserve list. Darius Leonard, Carson Wentz. I think some of the offensive line as well. They will be closer to full strength. I think this might be my dump truck of the week. Oh, I think it's my dump truck of the week. I think the Colts dump truck. Where's your dump truck? I don't know. It's right here. A little, little, little chomper. I don't know if this is dump truck or not, but little chomper. Uh, I think Eberflus gets in his bag. I don't think yeah. the Raiders score more than 14 points, and the Colts just roll with Jonathan Taylor and just dominate against a bad Raiders defense. There you go. We're on the same page. Boom. Jaguars, Patriots. How much time do we need to spend on this one? Not a lot. Patriots are favored by 15 and a half. And guess what? I'm holding my nose Uh-oh. and I'm taking it. Because Bill Belichick off a loss against Daryl Bevel, this is not going to go well. Trevor Lawrence, this is not going to go well. I think Bill Belichick might like scare Trevor Lawrence into retirement. This is going to be a disgusting game for the Jags. Throw the tape out already. I think Patriots win big, win big. big. I like the Patriots. This is not my hold the nose, though. It's that not your hold your nose? The next game on this list. Bucks jets Bucks jets is my hold the nose. Jets, 13-point dogs at home? Really? 13-point dogs at home. Zach Wilson against Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is going to give him nightmares. I mean, that's just like a, a recipe for a disaster for Zach Wilson. I, I This one just, even if... Bucks D not at 100%. This one still looks like nightmares, nightmare fuel for Zach Wilson. Like Who has a better game out of these rookie quarterbacks? Peyton, oh, no. Uh, who has a better game? Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, or Davis Mills? <laughs> Davis Mills is playing the Niners on the road as a 12-point dog. Probably Zach Davis Wilson. Mills. Yeah, right? It might be Mills. <laughs> it might be Mills. <laughs> Probably will be. All right, we'll get to that game soon enough. But I... I feel that this line is big, especially for a home Jets team. But like you said, Todd Bowles, this Bucks team, yeah, another team coming off an L. I mean, th- this is going to be this going to be another dump trucking. I think you can't pick. So the <laughs> rules for a dump truck is it they can't be more than a touchdown favorite because then you're just like picking, you know, then you're just picking yeah, like it's obviously that, gonna be a dump. It's got to be an under touchdown. <laughs> it's got to be an under touchdown a favorite. Close line. That you think will end in a blowout. Exactly. That's a dumper. The dumper. All right. <laughs> Dolphins, Titans. This game will be good. Huge playoff implications. Dolphins desperately need to win. Titans obviously need to win. Titans are favored by three and a half. The Dolphins are on a seven-game win streak. I have heard that stat probably a thousand times over the last few weeks. Is Miami getting shade here? They got the three and the half point, the hook. Do you think Tua has a chance here? I do. And not so much because of Tua, but the other side of the ball, their defense. The defense is red hot, obviously. And think two can do enough to not lose you a game. So I, I think they have bigger corners. Dolphins do match up with these Titans, bigger wide receivers to where I think it might be low scoring, but when that's the case, three and a half points is a lot. Just give me the Dolphins. I think I like the Dolphins to cover and win on the Take road them. against Tennessee. How healthy Tennessee are the anti expectations. Expectations are too high for them in this game. Three yeah. and a half. They go anti expectations all the time. Do you, I think they have a healthy 
AJ Brown and Julio though, don't they? <laughs> that could be a reason why they are getting the three and the half point. But on PFF.com, I was going to call this out. Doug Kide wrote an article on the Tua Tungavailoa situation. He um, has sources and hearing around the league that the Dolphins still might be leaning towards moving away from Tua Tungavailoa potentially. He has league sources expected the Dolphins to trade for Deshaun Watson. The Dolphins haven't lost. Um, like that interest necessarily even within the seven game win streak. So there is like still like interest in moving on from Tua, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Do you th- do you think seven game win streak? They win, say they win this game. Can they really move on from Tua? Do you think they really move on from Tua? I do. And I think wow, it's because really? I don't know what internally is going on, but I think it's because of whatever internally is going on. Because there's you don't have you just too can't much smoke. Look this, exactly, you can't look this dude in the eye after all the trade talks that have gone on and expect it to just be, oh, everything's good to a, yeah, slap, high five, you're our guy. It's like, no, the trust has been broken, and I don't think it ever gets completely rebuilt. Eagles football team, before we get to that, proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast is DraftKings. The NFL season is winding down. The playoffs will be here before you know it. And at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, the offers are getting even more amazing. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Don't miss out on this action. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still be a part of the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF, bet just $5 on any NFL team, and win $200 in free bets if they are victorious. That's promo code PFF with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Ready? Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 weight required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Speed Demon, AG. Eagles football team. I'm excited for this game because I think this one was also in contention for a dump trucking. I like Eagles. Eagles are favored by three. The sign has been bouncing between three and four in favor of the Eagles. I'm out on Taylor Heineke. I'm in on Jalen Hurts. I Old like. The world knows you're out on Taylor Heineke. <laughs> I'm in on Jalen Hurts on a three game winning streak right now. And they, the, the brand of football they're playing, no one's ready Wait, for. Wait, so you're saying he's the quarterback of the future? I'm not, I'm not having that conversation. I hate that you keep bringing this up. <laughs> I hate talking about is Jalen Hurts the quarterback of the future in Philly? Let's just play it game by game. Let's play it scene by, season by season. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts has played well this year. He's yeah. a top 12 graded quarterback, according to PFF. And I think he goes into this game and pulls off another win, and they win by more than three. Yes, I do as well. I, I really am kind of floored by this line. Uh, yeah, I get the Eagles around the road. Well, Heineke's fun to watch, so like it kind of factors in. But it's kind of you have two teams where one has a lot riding on this game. Eagles win, likely in the playoffs. And Washington season kind of just ended the past few weeks. Like they are out, they're out of it. They're, there's no getting themselves back into contention. So just from a motivational standpoint, very mismatched energy levels coming into this. Next game on the schedule here is Broncos Chargers. Greenline sees a lot of value on Denver, but I just can't. I know the Chargers just lost bad to the Texans, and that was gross. But like, should the Chargers not beat the Broncos by more than six and a half? That's what they're favored by at home with the legitimate opportunity to make the postseason at eight and seven. Yeah, I, I like the Chargers here for kind of what I just said about last week like the i think the broncos have a very outside shot of still making the playoffs but like that was it the last two losses ended your season sadly so 
The Chargers, on the other hand, two straight losses, need a big bounce back. So again, from a motivational standpoint, at home, this is it. All the chips you're putting, you got some trick plays in the book, you got some shit in your back pocket you haven't used, and your brand, brand Staley, you're, you're throwing it all out there this week. So six and a half, give me the Chargers. I'm going to back Green Line here. I'm a company man. I've always said that. Green Line sees a 2% edge on Denver at six and a half. I like Denver. I like that edge. I'm betting it. I'm backing the product. PFF Elite. <laughs> use promo code PFF. No, use promo code Elite Up for 50% off your Elite subscription if you want to get one. And know that it comes with the Broncos plus six and a half pick. And I'm backing them. I'm backing six and a half on the road. Texans 49ers. Davis Mills deserves more respect. Does he not? Does he not? 12 points. You're buying Texans at the top of the market, coming out for a big win for Cully in the era that is the Cully era. I like Texans plus 12. <laughs> Cully in the era. I, I I like the 49ers here. I just, I get that the Texans just had themselves a game. And it was nice. Big dub over the Chargers. But we talked about how the Chargers were just completely bereft defensively. No one left that can make an impact on the game going to be a little bit different this week so 12 points i think they turn back into the texans i disagree davis mills i believe <laughs> all right this line well, the weird jimmy g stuff the thumb broken thumb is odd to me to whatever's going on there with him that's another factor right like jimmy yeah. g might not play in this game yeah you think he broke his thumb smashing his phone after he saw john lynch like that yeah tweet? that could have been it john lynch like that tweet on christmas eve smashed his the thumb. ground yeah. But he knows, right? He knows that if, I mean, he could get blood sewed here. Like he's like, if Lance yeah. comes in and shows any fire, he could take over. Some quarterbacks uh, set records with broken fingers. Just wow. saying. Wow. It was a pinky. Thumbs different. <laughs> Tell, ask your, <laughs> uh, Cardinals, Cowboys, Cardinals, Cowboys. This line has been interesting. A lot of money backing Dallas. This line opened at two and a half. It's now to Dallas favored by two and a half at home. Dallas is now favored by five and a half. Three points in that direction. They get past the three and then some. It could get out more, right? It could get out to seven at this point if it's trending that way. DeAndre Hopkins is not going to play in this game. Seth, I read a piece that comes out tomorrow on you know his impact, you know how he feels the DeAndre Hopkins injury has impacted the Cardinals and like you know so much of their win, you know winning was with Hopkins and some of the unsustainability of Kyler Murray outside of structure and they just haven't had that. With Hopkins out and you know Kyler Murray injured and things like that, it just hasn't looked the same. And I don't think that turns up this week. I like Dallas minus five and a half. I like Dallas minus five and a half too. Uh, and we talked about how their defensive turnarounds for real. Uh, I very much believe it. And the scary thing for me, if I'm the Cardinals in this game, it's Mike Parsons. I mean, Mike Parsons tracks quarterbacks. I don't care who you are. He is more athletic than Kyler Murray. Despite being 40 pounds heavier than him. Like he will track him down outside the pocket when he you comes You think he's more athletic than Kyler Murray? Yes. Wow. That guy's a monster. Uh, absolute animal. Has turned this defense around. Um, so like even if like even if that inside structure play is not there, there's not gonna be like outside structure shit available. So give me the boys. There are two bad football teams playing. And still one of them is favored by seven points. Well, you know why? Why? The return of the Darnold. Darnold's Sam Darnold should be starting this week. But Darnold versus Book? Are you backing Book as a seven-point favorite? Well, is Taysom back? No, I, I, I think Book is supposed to play, isn't he? Not that that's like a massive, massive gap. It is. But seven points. The, the Saints have really been 
ever since Jameis Winston went out, they, they have treated it like Jameis Winston never went out. They've been treating these guys. They've been taking basically Sean Payton at face value with how much he fucking hypes up these quarterbacks. With Sean Payton calling him, you know, the next Steve Young, Vegas is like buying into that with all these lines because they've been getting some of the out and, and like outside of the Bucks game, they haven't done anything to inspire confidence they can cover any of these. So yeah, give me the Panthers because this one's like I said, bad quarterbacks getting seven points is going to be rough. I need to figure out who is starting for the Saints. If it's Ian Book, I am backing the Panthers. I I I'm. I'm not I'm not backing an injured even if it's not like I'm not backing an injured Taysom <laughs> an injured Trevor Simeon or Ian Book by 7 point favorites. I don't care. Like I think Darnold can cover. I think Darnold can make it happen. I believe <laughs> Lions at Seahawks. Two bad teams and a bad football team getting 7. Seahawks favored by 7. Give me Dan Campbell. Feed me Dan Campbell. Russell Wilson's not ready for this defense even at home. I think Detroit goes in and covers this 7 as well. Yeah, same thing we said last week with Seahawks. Seahawks just aren't good enough to inspire confidence and covering seven-point lines at this point in time. They just lost to the Bears. That's – yeah, give me, I will also take the Lions, even though, fuck, that one's going to be tough to watch. I don't know if uh, – I don't know. I think um, – now I'm kind of back. I'm wavering. I'm wavering. Seahawks by seven over Detroit. It is at home. That just shows how bad the Seattle Seahawks are. Sounds like you don't believe in Dan Campbell. I believe in Dan Campbell, but like that just goes cover machine, Dan Campbell. If the Seahawks were on the road, would the Lions only be like four point dogs? That's crazy. That's crazy. The Seattle Seahawks in the tank. I guess give me Dan Campbell. Vikers, Vikers, Vikings at Packers. Packers favored by six and a half. Are you all in on Packer Nation? I want to emotionally hedge, but I'm not going to. Dump truck. Season. This is your dump truck? Packers come out with the one seed hanging in the balance. If the Cowboys lose, they could secure it. Is this the Mike Leonard dump, dump truck? The dump trucking. This is it. Do we do are we creating a new bit where each of us gets a dump truck of the week? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Quinn, we need a dump truck. We need a dump truck. We need the sound like that annoying, like backing up. Tonka. Like, yeah, yeah, we no, get I hate to so, beep beep. It needs to be like a Tonka. Like juju. So what what was your pick again, Austin? Uh, we should keep like we should keep track with a graphic. Yeah, we do. We do, do. We do need to. My pick was Colts Raiders. Colts with the, the dump Colts truck. The dump truck. All right, Packers dump truck. Colts dump truck. I think Vikings cover. I'm going to counter your dump. I like Vikings to cover the six and a half, even on the road. I, I, I like the Vikings a lot. I think the Vikings are one of the best bad football teams in the NFL. Browns and Steelers to close us out. These dumps. I think Steelers win this game at home. Baker Mayfield reeling. It's a it's a letdown spot for Cleveland. They're favored by three on the road in Hines. I think Pittsburgh finds a way. I think this Browns team's down bad right now. They know they're not making the playoffs. They know, yeah, I know that's in their destiny. The Bengals beat the Chiefs. Whatever. There's there's opportunities, but I think they're they're down and out right now. Miles Garrett's playing hurt. Baker Mayfield's playing hurt. Receiving core is trash. Steelers money line. Give it to me. Yeah, for as bad as Ben Roethlisberger has looked, I think Baker Mayfield's looked worse over the past five weeks. Don't so. put that on a graphic. Don't. <laughs> Social Pittsburgh. team. Don't. Pittsburgh. Social team, please. You guys are also forgetting uh, kind of a key storyline. Probably Big Ben's last game ever at Heinz Field. Wow. He ain't losing that. Mm. I don't like the Steelers. Yeah. I don't like Big Ben, but he, Big Ben's not going to lose his last That's game That's a ever. great take, actually, Quinn. Yeah. yeah. Does Mason hey. Rudolph get any run? Just I to gotta get, hope not. 
You have to no, no, because it's such a dump trucking. They they Rudolph and Garrett gets another swing of the helmet at him. <laughs> That's the revenge game we need to see. The revenge game. No, we need to see. I want to see Ben Roethlisberger play well. Actually, that'd be one last one, one last ride. One last ride, like the Vikings game and the down the stretch where we played awesome. Like just have one game like that. Let us remember the good times, Ben, because this year was not it. Do you think Baker Mayfield throws four picks or five? Just two. Just two. Just two picks it's in this game. Cheeky two. Mailbag then trivia. Sure. Let's get to the user. The let's start with the users. So, okay. Uh, before we get to the users, because the user's mailbag is going to be sick. I got one more sponsor, and then we're sponsor-free for the rest of the show. Western and Southern. Want a chance to win the Ultimate Game Day Feast, whether it's football success or financial savvy. Winning starts with us you know, asking us questions. Would you like to know what it's like behind the scenes with Al on Sunday night? How about a need to know for your financial future? Western Southern is teaming up with PFS' very own Chris Collinsworth. Whoa. Very own Chris Collinsworth. I don't know what just happened. Very own Chris Collinsworth? To share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards, every submission earns you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate football's favorite Sunday. We'll cater your we'll cover your catering up to $2,500, coordinate your order from a restaurant near you, and have it delivered on February 13, 2022. And don't forget to check out Chris Collins, the Chris Collinsworth Podcast and Western Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember... With Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Do, 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 do. Speakpipe.com slash tailgate. Speakpipe.com slash tailgate. You can leave voicemails like these. We got four. One from Neil, one from Omar, one from Keyline Fred, and one from Evan Zinger. An absolute cast of characters here on the mailbag episode. Surprise us, Quinn. We have not listened to these. We do not know what they are. They are surprising. You picked these, hand-selected these from the hundreds of thousands that we received. You go ahead and kick us off, Quinn. Uh, so, so you got, you, I'm just cold caught, like there's no, cold. you're not cold. You, all right, uh, give me one second. We'll see how this goes. It's the first time we've ever done it, by the way. I'm excited. So I'm excited. Remember, go, if you want to be on this part of the show, speakpipe.com slash tailgate. Do you believe uh, there's a real possibility that the Panthers trade up to number one, or maybe number two to grab um, Kenny Pickett? I mean, David Tepper, who is somewhat of a meddler, has been really, really aggressive with this quarterback trades, uh, being in the mix for Matthew Stafford and Deshaun uh, Watson. And he's from the University of Pittsburgh, and I do think Matt Rule has been telling him uh, that he's just a quarterback away from being competitive. So I believe that's a possibility. What about you guys? That was from Omar Rolden. Thanks for listening to the show and going to speakpipe.com slash tailgate to answer. Do you think Panthers trade up for Kenny Pickett? Ooh, okay. So, I haven't actually heard this before, prior to this, so this is going to be fun. But, honestly, it depends on where they end up. I think there's a world where they end up behind only Jacksonville, Detroit, Houston, and the Jets-Giants. At that point, no, I don't think any of those teams are drafting a quarterback. So, you wouldn't have to necessarily trade up. You would get jumped. Like you, you would only trade up if you worry about getting jumped. And I'm not so certain that's going to happen in this class. So I don't think they would need to move if they do really want to draft quarterback this year. I don't think this is going to be a big overall, right? I don't think this is going to be a big trade up to go get your guy at quarterback class yeah. because of just the overall viewpoint of the class so far. Like there's a lot of guys that people would take in the 10 to 20 range, but maybe not mm -hmm. guys they would trade up into the top 10 for. If the, if the Panthers like a quarterback, even if it's Kenny Pickett and they want the, you know, the first quarterback off the board, they'll be in a prime position to be that team 
first to take a quarterback off the board. Thanks again for the question. Quinn, who is next? Hey, guys. Love the pod. My question is about Daniel Jones. Um, I know that you guys don't believe that he's been a good quarterback, and I don't disagree with you. I agree that he has not been a top 10 or even close to top 15 QB. However, since the Giants are keeping Daniel Jones, is there any good things that you can say about him heading into year four? Please talk more with with the PFF special stats, like big-time throw rate, turnover-worthy throw rate, because I know that in the past, Austin has talked about Daniel Jones and brought up him leading the league in turnovers over his three-year career so far. And I think that that's a little misleading because I know his first year was absolutely awful. It got slightly better in his second and third year, and but he did get kind of screwed by Evan Engram dropping the ball a lot and also bad luck. I think year two and three, he massively improved. So how does Daniel Jones's uh, PFF stats, like clean pocket grade, big time throw grade, um, turnover worthy play, how, how is that? changed in year two and year three and can we potentially expect a rare year four breakout or am i just gonna have to jump off the roof <laughs> well don't jump off the roof exactly I would probably that was from that. by the way neil that was from neil he goes to straymond high school neil we are on to the pff special stats you go ahead and kick us off i got some data i i do think the biggest if there's like any reason for excitement or like the biggest thing that daniel jones does well avoid sacks even even despite there being you know they've had arguably they've probably probably a bottom three pass block line over his three years there and he has still converted pressures to sacks at a fairly low rate this year only 15.7 percent of the time if you look at other guys like justin fields is twice that um that's a good thing to do for a quarterback's avoid sacks now when he gets sacked he often fumbles and the fumbles the turnover-worthy plays, those have kind of been a consistent theme with him over the course of his career as well, sadly. So stats to really hang your hat on for Daniel Jones, that's about it, sadly. So over the past three years, he ranks 22nd in PFF grade among all quarterbacks in those three-year spans, all starters, really. He also ranks, I think, 19th in big-time throw rate or no, 21st in big-time throw rate. But the the real problem is he's turnover where he plays, right? And he spoke to a little bit of that. It's like he's turned over the ball on 4% of his dropbacks, which is the third, you know, only Sam Darnold has a higher rate than that over the last three years. Like he has nonstop turnover the ball. And then even if you go into, you know, you talk about he's improved. Yeah, he's improved into second and third seasons. Even if you go to this year, right? Like this year has not been good to Daniel Jones either. He still ranks in the bottom five in turnover-worthy play rate. He ranks in you know the bottom 10 in PFF grade. Like There is not a lot of reason to feel good about how Daniel Jones has played this year either, right? So this year, just a 70.2 PFF grade, turnover-worthy play rate at 3%. Big-time throw rate, though, like getting the big plays, worse than the NFL. 2% big-time throw rate. That's awful. Worse than Jared Goff, worse than Zach Wilson. I don't think... The lease should be as long as it's been for Daniel Jones. And the fact that they are committing to him in 2022 is a little bit of a disaster. Now, Neil, do not jump off the roof. You will be better. Hope for, you know, a flyer on a quarterback on day two and a good competition in camp. And you never have to watch Mike Glenn play football again. I was going to say, you could be a Raiders fan. It could be worse. What the hell? Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. All right, next one, Quinn. Hey, fellas. First time, long time. Name's Dave. 
So my question is actually dictated towards the Friday night game, Georgia versus Michigan, college football playoff. What exactly does Michigan need to do to win that game? And also, a follow-up to that question is just, can you guys hit on the 2021 season for the Michigan Wolverines, the boys in blue in general? (laughs) This was a team that wasn't ranked preseason top 25 in the AP poll. Coach Harbaugh becomes coach of the year. Can you just hit on what Coach Harbaugh has built in Ann Arbor, (laughs) how special 2021 has been, and just how incredible this story has been in college football this year? Thanks a lot. That's our guy. That's our guy, Dave. That's producer Dave. He snuck that one in. That was incredible. Last minute. Producer Dave, obviously a big Michigan guy. He's been on with us all the trips. He gets on the pod. His voice, I think that's the first time his voice has been on the show. Mike, speak to this. No, I'll allow you to take this one. Okay. I, I have no interest. John in Harbaugh has exceeded expectations this year. Expectations he set himself, right? Mike Renner, you talked about that. Like why he didn't win coach of the year over Luke Fickle. It's because, you know, a lot of the preseason expectations not being a top 25 team. Like, buddy, you were the coach of that team, right? Like 2020 was a disastrous year for Michigan. There weren't a lot of reasons to feel high about them entering the season. Now, he's wildly exceeded expectations. He's beat he beat Ohio State for the first time in his tenure at home in like a dump truck, right? A dump trucking of Ohio State as like 20-point dogs in that game. John Harbaugh rises up. Michigan, what they need to do to win is Caden McNamara and J.J. McCarthy need to show up, right? Like they go into this game and like we're going to run us on Haskins. We're going to play Joe behind our Joe Moore offensive line. We're going to beat this like vaunted Georgia run defense. No, like don't go blow for blow with Jordan Davis and what they're good at. I think they need to lean on Cade McNamara, lean on the, the freshman J.J. McCarthy to get the ball downfield through the air and attack where what is a very good Georgia defense that doesn't immediately have a lot of weaknesses where there are some, you know, lesser, the lesser of two evils there, um, obviously they're secondary. So then Kate McNamara shows up, but Dave, big shout out to Dave, who's obviously been a longtime listener, a longtime producer on the show. Dave getting on the pod. We have a couple more here, right? Uh, right, Dave or right. Quinn. Jesus. Yeah. Hi, this is Keelan Fred. And I want to talk about my tits. Mike Vrabel should be coach of the year for leading my tits to the number two seed, potentially the number one seed if the Chiefs lose this weekend, while having the most injuries in the NFL. Let's just talk only offensive injuries. We know about Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown's played 50% of snaps this year. Julio's played 30% of snaps this year. lawan has been out. Nate Davis has been out. Roger Saffold's been out. We don't even have a fucking tight end anyways. Not only have those, those starters been out, but our number three receiver, Marcus Johnson, gone for the year. Cam Batson, gone for the year. We've been trotting out Racy McMath. Racy McMath as a meaningful receiver. And people wonder how we lost to the Texans. Racy McMath. All of that. And we're still the number two seed, potentially the number one seed. Mike Vrabel, coach of the year. You tell me why he shouldn't get it, you son of a bitch. Keyline Fred might be a new friend of the show. Game with yeah, it. That was A plus. That was A plus. That's how you need to do, that's how you get on the show. That that should be the bar. That's the bar. Keyline like, Fred that, is the best one. If you're gonna call in, like that's what you should like strive to do. I'll say he would be number two on my list, Mike Frable, coach of the year. Really? Matt number LaFleur, two on your list. Matt LaFleur, Mike Frable. What if he gets the one seed? If they get the one seed, we could talk. I still think the Packers get the one seed in the NFC and go 14 3. They were, I mean, they got, they lost a lot of key players. For, yeah, they've I mean, battled David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith. You can argue those are three of their top five players on that roster that they haven't had since week three, Bakhtiarial season. Uh, so to go 12 and three to still be the one seed, that would be my pick, number one. 
but I think those are some of my favorites. Like if you are going to do the speak pipe thing on the mailbag episode, come in and send us a pitch, right? Like, you know, we always read those mailbag questions where like, we've been doing this and this and this come here and show us, show us who you got. I like that one. That was cool. You're not going to comment on the fact that he called them my tits. That's just with the tight tight ones. Got a lot of names for the Titans. I've never heard that before. You've heard that before. Yeah. You're all right. Last one of the show. Evan Zinger. Yep. Last one. Hold on. So, um, Miss Kylie Hamilton, uh, what makes you think you should be part of this new season of The Bachelor uh, with Michael Renner? (laughs) Oh, my God. So he was so hot when he was on The Bachelorette. Like, his long hair, absolutely lovely, but his short hair, oh. Um, I really don't like a guy who has, like, really dark hair and glasses and, like, a mustache. So Mike is, like, absolutely <laughs> perfect. Do we not? I love Tilly at Packers questions. games. And he went to Notre Dame, and I'm, like, 12% Irish, and I like to fight people who make fun of, like, math stuff and analytics. So that's just, like, awesome. Um, and by the way, even if I don't make it, uh, can you uh, pass along my social media to him at least? Because, you know, I like to think I'm hashtag fun to watch. Okay, bye. <laughs> Can I vet these before we put no, them on air? That's it. No, we not. made the deal that this is you guys don't listen to these. It's I, just it's that off was, the cuff. That was phenomenal. Yeah, no question. I don't know that what the hell that. that was. That was phenomenal. Don't really have an answer for that. My favorite was still Keyline Fred. I don't think she's getting on the next season. I'll she didn't say sound that. cute. Yeah. I can't believe I caught a straight. Like, what, what, what the hell? Like, yeah, I'm not into these types, these fucking gremlin types. That was great. Evan Zinger, Keyline Fred, Neil, and Omar, and then obviously Mishka Dave, our guy. Thanks for dropping in those questions. Shall we get to the written mailbag? Yes, let's get to the mailbag. All right. Brock G32 on Apple. Wide receivers, offensive tackles, cornerbacks for the Colts on day two. Simple, to the point, cut and dry. Tell me what I fucking get. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think it's one from last week that I forgot to address so i think they could use like a speedier deep threadier deep threadier wide receiver deep jalen, threadier works jalen tolbert south alabama wide receivers guy i'd look at on d2 offensive tackle i think they're in prime position they probably would like to have eric fisher back the way he's played second half of this year but you i think you either pray for the central michigan tackle bernard raymond to still be there or a guy like uh kellen Deesh. Uh, the Arizona State off tackle who'd be at the Shrine Bowl. I'm a fan of him, maybe on third round, fourth round. Athletic guy, still needs to get stronger, but that's like a developmental guy you can work for in the future. Then at cornerback, they love feisty athletes. Kyler Gordon, Washington, corner. We've talked about him. I think Trent McDuffie's called the most athletic guy he's ever played with that would fit in for Indy. On to Big Blue Drew on Apple. Love the pod. Been here since the beginning with two picks in the top 10. Many mocks have the Giants taking offensive line and edge. If Thibodeau and Hutchinson are gone, if they're an edge worth the selection, I hear Carl Loftus, but I'm not sure if he fits Patrick Graham's 3-4 defense since he's bigger, more versatile edge setter. If anything, he'll play inside, but that's not as valuable. Thoughts on his fit in New York and the alternative options. Hopefully trade Hopefully Trader Dave will move back if it isn't slam dunk. I don't think Dave's going to be there if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's like uh, we're making a lot of assumptions about who is all going to be with New York next year and beyond, I'll just say. So if you are a – shit, you're a new GM that gets hired and say you are stuck with Joe Judge. I'm not sure you're taking Joe Judge's hefty input about the role this guy's going to play in your defense because it's like that defense could fucking change in 2023. So – I think you're still you're still tr- you know quote unquote trusting the board going after the best player you think Carl Loftus yeah I, I don't think he's 
a great necessarily stand up edge. He's not going to be the guy that drops into coverage, but I do think he could play like even like a three, four defensive end. So he could be your interior guy. It's more of a true edge for what they run. David Ojabo would obviously be a better fit than Michigan guy, but top six, top seven, likely where they'll be drafting a little rich for him, for me. A little rich. I, I, I think that they can be a prime trade down spot. Yeah. Because they have to get so much cheaper. The Giants cap is disastrous and they don't have like a lot, like they don't have, they're not like a piece away. I think they could be a prime trade down spot. The issue is, and I think we're going to be talking about this all draft season is who the fuck is trading up in this class? Like, mm -hmm. you know, who wants to trade up if there's not a quarterback that people want? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I don't think there's a lot of, you know, maybe offensive tackle, right? Maybe someone's chasing Neil at the top. Who's a blue chip, like premium position, but we'll see. This is fake. If on Apple seeing a lot of anti Cincy sentiment, if you could relocate PFF anywhere, factoring in weather, vibes, cost of living, where would it be? This is a good question because cost of living is important. Yeah. Obviously, if, you could, if it was just weather and vibes, it's San Diego. But weather, vibes, and cost of living, you know that PFF is paying us nothing, could be tough. It could be tough to make a San Diego for free. Uh, I think I would go with Austin, Texas. Either Austin, Texas or Nashville. Now, Austin's obviously maybe a little bit better climate. Cost of weather, south. though. I mean, cost, cost, of, cost of, of weather. <laughs> cost of living in Austin's kind of fucked right now. Yeah, that is the only problem. It's also a very like also basic bitch move to like Texas tech well. tech company moving to yeah. Austin. You're kind like, of a loser oh, who, for that. Who, who thought of that? I like Austin, Texas, though. Austin, Texas is a great ass time. That's why. Hmm. Where are you going? I don't know. I want to get close to the West Coast. Cost yeah. of living is tough in San Diego. I might I might consider the Bay, but the Bay is also expensive. But there are areas of the Bay that are not as expensive. Like like the Bay isn't just San Francisco people. <laughs> like like there's there's the you know, Bay areas can be Oakland, Berkeley. There's other parts of the Bay that I think would be cool. I also wouldn't hate Seattle. I think I would commit to the Bay though. Find a cheap area in the Bay and make some plays in Cali. I'm not not I would going hate, to Cali. I would, I'd hate the Bay. No, I you would, would not, not. I would not move if we move. You would move. I would look you for would a new move. job. All right, this is Josh Gags. I kind of like that name. Josh Gags on Apple. Hey guys, I'd like to hear your guys all prison team, not including my dad. Any player who currently is in prison and has been in prison or any player who thinks you'd be in prison, interpret that how you want. This one got a <laughs> my little dad dark. Can be the coach. Can I, my dad I, be the coach? My dad can coach this team. Um, this one got a little dark and Jeez. honestly, I, I couldn't fill out a full roster. I, I did a lot of research on it. I looked up a lot of stuff and struggled to fill out a full roster. But limit the jokes here, right? There's a lot of like, yes, these guys suck. Like a lot of yeah. people on this list. But your skill position players are pretty legit. You can build, I mean, Mike Vick, OJ Simpson, Dante Stallworth, Henry Ruggs, Plexico Burris, Aaron Hernandez. That is a, it's a tough, I mean, like Stallworth running like a 4-3 also with Ruggs. It's a tough offense to stop. Some offensive linemen I've found, Craig Robinson, Nate Newton. Barrett Robbins, uh, of oh, Greg Robinson was the guy who had all that weed across on him? the one across the board. Is he still in prison? Nate Newton also had a bunch of weed on him. Barrett Robbins and you see what was the guy Greg. who missed the Super Bowl for the Raiders. Um, defensively, Ray Lewis is your captain. You got. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's all we're gonna go through there. There's a lot of. There's some other guys that we could get to. Some guys that I've. God, but the one thing that stood out to me was how many like NFL players have actually like either incidentally or intentionally 
killed people in the past. There was a lot. That's, <laughs> that was kind of like I didn't do any research for that. So there you go. Not not our best question, but it was an Apple review. So we're going to answer the, all your Apple reviews. And there you go. There you have it. The, I'm trying to find the Greg Robinson charge. He was caught with 157 pounds he of He tried weed. to drive it across the border, but he, it wasn't he tried to. He took like a wrong turn and accidentally Oh, accidentally border. dipped into Mexico. Yeah, yeah that's right. Accidentally Because he was just driving border. along the border. Patrol. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And he's facing, he was facing up to 20 years in prison. I don't know where he's at now. I can't find anything. Who yeah. is the Bears receiver that did that? Because there was a Bears receiver that got caught with a ton of weed, too. Oh, Andrew was, Simpson Oh, well. he was the, it was, he was actually running a drug trafficking ring. Yeah, Sam, Sam Hurd. Yeah, that's it. And he actually was just like a kingpin. <laughs> the guy was living like Scarface uh, for a while before he got caught. Oh my gosh, I'm reading more into this. So Quan Bray was with him, uh, his former teammate, and the CFL signed Quan Bray like shortly after the arrest, but like still had him play the 2019 season, <laughs> even after he got. Oh man, he's back. I don't know what just. I, I, someone tell me what happened to Greg Robinson because it just doesn't make any sense. All right, this is from Vikings John on Spotify. You can do things on Spotify. So if you leave a review on Spotify, he sent me this DM. Yeah. My favorite pod. Thanks for the content. Mike, can you use your connections to get your boy Austin a spot in the Bachelorette? Can you start with that one? Um, why do you think I signed the habit contract? Trying to get him into shape, trying True. to whip him in, into shape here, trying to get him into a, a fighting weight to get on the show. Uh, but I'm, you know, not a miracle worker. He's got to, <laughs> he's got to do some of it himself. It's true. Um, Number two, teams like Green Bay, New England, New Orleans, and Philly consistently finding consistently find and develop offensive linemen what percentage of credit goes to the gm scouting and coaching green bay and philly continue to find quality starters despite regime changes so i i think also if you look at those teams for the most part they invest continually whether they have offensive linemen or whether they do not like the eagles since 2016 when they had one of the best offensive lines in the nfl with jason peters with lane johnson with Jason Kelsey with, I think they signed the next year, Brandon Brooks. Like they have those guys on that roster. They've drafted eight offensive linemen since then. They've drafted eight offensive linemen with that sort of, that being your starting point. That's the same amount of, as the Miami Dolphins have drafted over that span and had effing nobody wow. on their offensive line. So it comes down to investment at the end of the day. And it's not, investment's not just first round picks. Investment is just, like I said, continually throwing stuff at that offensive line. And with the Eagles, they, even used a first round pick on a backup tackle. So that's a lot of it. That's a good consistently point. Consistently investing, making it a priority, and making it a priority when it's not when it's not like a a need, a glaring need. When it's making it a priority before it's a need. So they do that. But then there's also, I'd say over fifty percent of the credit does go to development. You mm -hmm. need a good offensive line coach in the NFL to win to consistently win, to consistently have good offensive lines. There's only so much you can do via just finding talent alone so i'd say like i said just probably 60 percent off the line coach and then other 40 percent is actually talent identification which is still a massive part of it i like that answer the investment piece is good jaron brett bentiman on apple i will preface this by saying i truly don't mean for this question to be a downer uh-oh we already had the all prison question i love the pod and have it bookmarked in my head as the most fun podcast i listen to 
That is why I would so appreciate hearing your answer. I'm not ready for the next turn of this. It's rough. Is it rough emotionally to do this job? It seems like a lot of fun to work in sports for a living, but this sport in particular is very brutal. A great number of athletes have pretty tortured post-career lives. My work puts me in contact with a lot of injured people, and it rips my heart out when I see a young person whose injury removes the upside from their futures. I ask you guys this because you cover the athlete's transition to adulthood. Basically, I can only imagine learning about everything from prospect as Mike does, holding some optimism for his future career, and see injuries ruin his life. You both seem very conscientious, and I bet anything your answers will be good ones. Thanks, Kings. Wow, Jaron, get deep. You want to kick it off? Yeah, I I do think as an outsider and someone who myself like went through kind of, you know, like growing up, like I thought of myself as like an athlete. And like you go through high school and then college, and then all of a sudden you're not an athlete anymore. You're like a real person. Like I do think that identity aspect is – something that when you see guys struggling with that and not, I think that's the more heartbreaking thing. It's not like the loss of uh, like talent when guys don't fulfill their potential. It's like them being so wrapped up and that's all they are that they have nothing after football. Those are the stories that get me. But like, I think it's, you almost become desensitized to the fact that it's just a fact of the NFL too, that a lot of guys with this promise and with this hype, and it's also a fact of college football too, where it's like you get five-star prospects who do nothing in college all the time too. That it's you almost at this point just kind of expect it. And yeah. it's, I think I think the up. business the business end of the NFL can get me right, like how cutthroat it is. And I think you've had players talk about that, where like it doesn't matter, you know, like at the end of the day, you are a dollar figure, you know. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, like that's how like they they like, look at NFL talent, like they look at it as this person's three million dollars on the cap, this person's this much and whatever. And I think when you get wrapped up in the strategy on how to win football games, it's become more businessy than I think people wanted it to, right? Like I think it's become like, well, you got if you're gonna draft them, you can't draft running back in the first round, but like. Yeah. Uh, you know, you talk about that stuff, right? It's like, hey, if we don't draft a running back in the first round, he makes so much less money. And like so much has become financial. I do think that the business end does get overlooked. And we try to talk about that sometimes here. I think I had someone reach out to me who listens to the show. It's like they, you know, that they said they appreciate that we talk about some of that stuff. But the business end is cutthroat, dude. Like at the, bo the bottom line is the NFL, the people at the top of the NFL just want to make a shitload more money, regardless of what happens. That includes, mm -hmm. you know, moving on from players quickly, you know, not drafting certain players, not paying certain players the amount of money. And like, you know, that, that obviously stinks sometimes, man. Like yeah, non-injury so, non guarantees and shit like that is just brutal. Well, it's, it's kind of the fact of life in a salary capped market that you have to, to be the best, you have to extract value over cash dollars more than everyone else yeah. does, you yeah. know, because everyone's working with the same cash dollars. So you have it's to- It's a capped market. You literally probably. have to, and that's why like, it's kind of brings this sort of sickening, I don't say sickening, but like- this odd dichotomy for fans where it's like you're fans of players, but you don't want them to be paid that much because then that makes your football team better. Yeah. There we go. Like I mean, you, you I mean, more yeah. potential. And you it's look, like a weird sort of, like I said, just situation that a salary cap creates. You see some of the discourse on like Frank Clark. It's like, oh my God, we're paying that fucking bum $22 million a year. Like, Frank Clark seeing that and like that, like, but that's what it's been built. Like that's what's going on. Yeah. It's like, it's like, get a gun. Yeah. There's a, there's a stop, stop. There's he a lot. He did <laughs> stop. All anyway. prison team. Oh, <laughs> there's your edge. You guys suck. Yeah. You guys You walked suck. right into that. I didn't that's walk into fault. that. I was trying to be sentimental regardless. Let's get to trivia. Yes. All right. Uh, bear with me one sec. Let me pull this up. Uh, uh, did I tell you guys perk angels DM me? What did he say? He asked for a hat, and I gave him a hat. Hell yeah! Oh yeah! Well, that's <laughs> well that, deserved. That's a uh, that's a perfect segue because his question, let's go right off the bat. 
Uh, he says, rest in peace, John Madden. Love Since that. the Madden game started featuring players on the cover in 2001, we're the only three defensive players to be on the cover of the game. Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman. Troy Polamalu in Richard Sherman really made that one about himself with yeah, that tweet. That was rough. Troy Polamalu was on the cover with Larry Fitzgerald in like that first combo cover. Did he include that? Yes. And yeah, then I think Need was not more. was JJ Watt not on it? Uh negative. He was not. JJ Watt's never been on the cover. That's crazy. No. Man. I had been a linebacker. Luke Keekley? Nope. Ray Lewis. Yep. Nice. All prison All team starting middle linebacker. <laughs> Captain. Uh, this one is also a listener-submitted question. It's uh, Brandon Ryblick on Twitter. On episode 251, we learned Iowa State and Indiana are the only two Power 5 schools who have not had a first-round pick since 2000. Who are their highest-drafted players this century? Oh. Hint. Both are since 2010. Iowa State and, and Indiana. Indiana. Taiwan Mullen. Or no, Trayvon no. Mullen. No, no, Taiwan Mullen plays for Indiana now. Trayvon Mullen played for Clemson. I'm yeah, stupid. That's a, that a bad, that was, a bad start to that. Um, uh, T. Gray Scales, I think, was a seventh rounder, but I don't think he's their highest graded guy. Not T. Gray Scales. <laughs> no, uh, not highest graded, highest drafted. Or highest drafted, yeah. I don't think he's their highest drafted either. Hmm. Man. I'll focus on Indiana. You take Iowa State. Okay, Iowa State. I'll focus on Iowa State. I know Keen Butler was a fourth rounder, but that's way, that seems too low. David Montgomery was a third rounder. That's possible. Any offensive lineman? Linebackers, tight ends. I'm going to go with David Montgomery. Is that the highest one? Negative. Not oh, David Montgomery. Not Jordan Howard for Indiana? He was like a fifth. Was he really? Yeah. It's not Jordan Howard. Fuck. Who was it? I don't know. Wait, let me think of Indiana. Let me think of Indiana now. They had uh, they had a wide receiver, right? A few. Uh, who's the one who a, went? Not a wide oh, receiver. Oh, it's not a wide receiver? Mm -hmm. they, they, they had one, someone drafted by the Broncos, though. Why'd oh you yeah, you're right. I don't know. Yeah, who that he wasn't was, even good. Um, <laughs> Just tell us, Quinn. All right, who was Indiana? Iowa State Raiders what legend Kalechi Osemele. Oh. I didn't know he went to Iowa State in, wow. in yeah. 2012. Uh, and then Indiana. This one was. This one's almost a little bit of a trick question because he went 33rd overall. What position? Roger Saffold. Oh okay. wow. Wow. Both yeah. guards. Both guards. That would be, those are tough. That's yeah. tough. That was, that guard, was guard colleges, I do not know well. I feel like that's what, if I had to like rank positions I know the colleges for, I think guard is probably pretty fucking low. That was a good question from Brandon. Yeah. Cody Latimer. That was the Indiana wide Yeah, you're right. Good call. Good pull. All right. Last one. Oh, shit. Yeah. This is, uh, these are all listeners submitted. Let's go. Two weeks in a row. King Jamie on Twitter. Let's go. In the 2021 NFL draft, Alabama tied a record with six first round picks. What school did they tie with? Bonus year or bonus for the year in the players. Oh, three Miami. School's right. right. Year's wrong. Well, um, it was oh four. It was 03, the 2004 draft, but okay. it would have been the 03 Miami um, team. So, yeah, I guess that counts. Jonathan okay. Vilma. Yep. Vince Wilfork. Yep. Uh, Chris Rumpf. No. Chris Rumpf. Chris Rumpf no. went to Duke. Something Rumpf. Great. Wasn't Greg Olson on that team? No, uh, Kellen Winslow. No, Sean Moreno? Yeah, no, 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 Kellen Moreno. Winslow. Um, Kellen Winslow's Winslow. one. Willis McGahee? No, not Willis McGahee. Also, uh, I don't think he went, because isn't that the year he blew out his knees? Oh, uh, you're right. So yeah, he get drafted high. I was seven at this Will time. Wilfork, Vilma. Uh, the Williams, DJ Williams. Yeah, DJ Williams. Ed Reed? Negative, not Ed Reed. Um, I think he was before that. Wasn't Ralph? Who was there? was like a DB or... All right, who else? Was it Andre Johnson? No. There is a DB, though, that I don't think you guys have named yet. 
I don't know. I'm out. I should know. Good listener questions, though. Man. So I'm at four. Is it? One of them's easy. I think you're thinking a little too hard. Jimmy Graham? No, not Jimmy Graham. Uh, What positions are we missing here? Oh, DB. Brian McKinney? Is he there? No, Brian McKinney's not a DB. Well, there's DB, uh, Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor. There you go. And then what was the last position? Yeah. Keep guessing. I'll look it up for you. Uh, I have no idea. I'll know it. I got this. You don't know it. I, I know this. You're trash. Film with DJ Williams. Vince Wilfork. Sean Taylor. Kellen Winslow. Tell us, Quinn. Right, who is it? Vernon Carey. Vernon Carey. Of course. Oh, yeah. I, I'm that's not going to lie. I forgot all about Vernon Carey. No, I don't even know who that is. All right. That's uh, it. That's, that's it. it. Know your co-host? Uh, okay, yeah. Know your co-host. I suck. Uh, New, Year's, New Year's will be the 18th anniversary of the scariest near-death experience of my life. What happened? Oh, my gosh. Um... In detail, just what what, what was it was a car accident in died. the weather. No, okay, I choked. On what? I had to have the Heimlich maneuver. I choked in my vomit. I had to have the Heimlich How'd, maneuver. Where were you vomit? What was? I don't know. You just got sleeping? stuck in my throat. No. Oh really? I just puked. And got stuck in my throat. Really? And I couldn't. Wow. Couldn't breathe. How old were you? I was in eighth grade. So. And were you at well, school or? No, I was at my house. Uh, my brother was having a party. His friend gave me the Heimlich maneuver. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a, a know your co-host, but my near death experience, 18th year anniversary. <laughs> I, I don't know when this was. We were, they were daring us to jump into a, like a, an inflatable tube, you know, like a little ring tube, but this thing was really tight, like meant for like babies or something. And it was really firm. Like it wasn't like a normal tube that could pop. It was like a lifesaver. And I tried to jump through it like this and I put my shoulders went through, but my body didn't. And I was trapped underwater in this thing and I couldn't flip over. Oh. And like, I like, like I was like a fucking, like a turtle. Yeah. Like I couldn't get out. And I literally remember I was like in high school. I was like, this is how I die. I remember my first thoughts were like, I'm an idiot. Like I remember like, I'm yeah. the dumbest person. <laughs> if this is how I die in the damn little floaty tube at like a, t- it was like a football team party or something, but someone ended up coming rescuing me, but it was crazy. Mine know your co-host. Okay. Mine is so much more lame. Um, I've traveled multiple places outside of the country. What was my favorite city or favorite place? Outside of the U.S. Outside of the U.S. Fallujah. I don't know where that is. I'll, I'll Come go. On. Come on. Mexico City. I don't know. Uh, Montreal, Canada. Montreal. Yeah. I love. I'm a big Montreal guy. I've been there twice. It is phenomenal. Shout out Seth. Shout out Seth Galina, who is a Montreal native. Montreal, as they call it. Um, that's gonna do it for this episode. Just kidding. Jalen Weidermeyer, Texas A&M tight end. Let's get to that interview. Now joining the Tailgate Podcast is current Texas A&M tight end Jalen Weidermeyer. Jalen, great to have you on the show. What's up, Austin? How you doing? Doing well, man. You're back in the Houston area, Houston area for the holidays. I need to know, Christmas meal, what did you get from the family this year? What's the go-to size? What's the go-to staples? Oh, we ate everything from <laughs> ham, uh, macaroni. We ate, we ate everything that – it <laughs> felt like Thanksgiving the way we ate. So uh, we ate pretty much everything they had. 
You love to see that. I haven't had a good Christmas ham in a long time. I think I'm due. I think I had steak and pasta on Christmas, but no Christmas ham. But uh, enough of the food takes. Getting into a little bit of your Texas A&M career, and I want to start kind of early on. You were a really coveted recruit coming out of Dickinson, Texas in 2019. Three-star, four-star recruit with offers from Miami, Alabama, Auburn, all these blue bloods, over 20 offers in your recruiting process. Talk to me about what that was like as a recruit in high school, being you know, recruited or lured to all of these schools, and then what ultimately kind of drew you in to enroll at Texas A&M? What all factored into that decision? Uh, well, it was amazing uh, getting recruited by all these uh, big schools, and it made the uh, not just me happy, my family proud, my family excited, and also the Dickinson community uh, very excited for me. So uh, that was amazing to do. And um, one of, there's, a, there's a couple of reasons why I picked A&M. One would be... Um, Jimbo's Jimbo's offense and um, I know his dedication to football and to making better not just athletes but better men at the end of the um, at the end of their college careers um, is amazing so that's that's one of the reasons why I picked it and it's a four-year decision not a 40-year decision I mean it's a 40-year decision not a four-year decision you know and uh, with A&M one of the reasons I picked it another reason why I picked it was most definitely I would say the um, the Aggie network the Aggie network and the um, the network they have outside once people get the Aggie ring and graduate, the amount of resources they have to get good jobs because Aggies take care of Aggies and and that's one that's a big reason why I picked A and M. You brought up Jimbo and I had DeMarvin Leal on this podcast and he talked a lot about the culture Jimbo kind of pitches in his recruiting process and not just pitches but also backs up. I'd love to hear your perspective on the culture Jimbo is building at Texas A&M. Oh, he's building an amazing culture. Um, he's definitely changing the culture of A&M and what it used to be. He wants to he wants to win a national championship there and and be consistent, just as consistent as any other school in the country. And um, we all we all knew that coming in, and uh, we were definitely prepared to do that. So going back to as a crew, I think you were what listed at six foot five, two forty. What did you play exactly in high school? Did you play some wideout, or was it kind of exclusively tight end? Did you play any defense, and did you did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, so um, freshman year I played receiver, and then uh, I got bigger, and they moved me to tight end. I also ran track freshman year, and all throughout high school I played football and basketball. Gotcha. And then did you ever want to, like, did you ever think about basketball? When did football really become, like, your focal point? Did you ever want to pursue basketball long-term or any of those other sports? I kind of I I did want to pursue basketball, but I knew football was in my heart. Like, I knew, mm-hmm. I knew that football was my go-to, and I couldn't stop playing football. I can, I can pick and choose basketball, but I couldn't stop playing football. So, um, yeah, I've been playing it since I was four or five years old. So, um Definitely, I felt like I was I was a good basketball player, but um, I felt like I was a lot better at football. What what kind of basketball player were you? Were you a shooter? Did you, did you post up, or what kind of game did you have here? Oh, I, I feel like I, I well, people might tell you differently, <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like I was a um, stretch four, uh, mm-hmm. someone that could shoot, put the ball, put the put the ball on the, put the ball on the ground, handle the ball well, and also um, score the ball. Um, also, was a good defender. I would my team would usually have me guarding their. Um, the best, the best guy they have on the team. Gotcha. Uh, going into this season, the game I really want to hone in on. I got Liao's kind of perspective of this game, but like beating Bama, talk me through start to finish that game, that experience, that locker room after. Just, I would love to hear from your perspective just how all that game went. Well, coming into the season, we're like, we're going to beat Alabama. We're going to beat Alabama, and 
losing to losing losing back to back games to Arkansas Mississippi State was kind of was really a wake up call for us. How are we going to be Bama if we can't even be Arkansas or Mississippi State? Mm-hmm. And we that week of preparation was the greatest week of preparation I've ever had. Being at just A and M or being in anywhere was a great was it was a great week of preparation and. We prepared. We we uh we battled really hard against each other. Me and Marv, me and Marv went at it a couple of times. Man, me and him competed against each other all the time. So, and um, just that game, just being in Kyle Field, um, it was a different it was a different atmosphere in Kyle Field that night. You know, and mm-hmm. once we got off to a hot start, we just at, at halftime we just went to the locker room and I just told everybody. I want to beat them so bad. <laughs> I love that. Right now. I've never wanted to be somebody so bad. And we could do that. We could do that right now. And we were all honed in. Um, they ended up taking the lead late, but Jimbo's practices are meant for, for they're meant for four quarters. They're meant for five quarters, six quarters. They're meant for us to outlast any other team we're going against. And that's pretty much what we did versus Bama. What was the celebration like, man? I mean, it had to have been surreal. Oh, it was it was amazing. We uh we celebrated all night pretty much. Uh <laughs> I think I saw the video of Zach dancing in the locker room and uh yeah, it was it was just amazing. And it was Jimbo's birthday. Oh so, wow, I forgot about that. That's right. So I know he celebrated for sure. And we caught him dancing too. So it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> did you run into any fans when they stormed the field or like like how did that process go? It, it, I, I think Liao said DeMarvin said he was just sitting on the bench. Like, he didn't even go on the field. Where, 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 where was your head at? I was in the middle of the field. It took me <laughs> about 45 to 50 minutes just to go find my family. In between all the people, I'm taking pictures and taking videos and celebrating with all the fans and stuff, but which is amazing. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get that experience up for, for anything. And um, it probably took me almost 50 minutes to get into the locker room after the game. So it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Now focusing a little bit on this kind of road ahead you have. I've talked to a lot of draft prospects so far, and I think you enter a really, like, hectic time, right? Like, doing a lot of interviews. You're preparing for, you know, combine and preparing for all this athletic testing, probably adding weight or dropping weight, dieting, all this stuff. What are some of your goals or, I guess, some of your expectations for this next kind of hectic period, this pre-draft process? And, I guess, what are you hoping to accomplish over the next, you know, three, four months? I'm hoping to put my uh, 40, da- 40 time down. I'm hoping to um, just stay consistent with my catching ability and uh, my route running, crisp up my route running. I'm uh, looking to uh, uh, slim down on my body and get it more, more muscular, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. um, I would say those are a few goals that I have in mind for uh, this upcoming months. I think you're listed at six foot four, six foot five, two fifty five. Is that the weight you played at? And do you have a goal weight in mind as you enter this offseason? Yeah, that's uh, I played around 255, 250 in between there, and um, yeah, I can say I've been playing really well with that with that weight. So I can say yeah, that's my goal weight. We kind of skipped over this, but I want to go back to it. You had Demarvin Leal going against him in practice. Give me some stories against going up against that guy. He is a rare specimen of someone who's obviously had a lot of success at the collegiate level. Yeah, so I've been going against him my since my freshman year, since 2019, and that dude, he is so unpredictable. And that's what makes him so dangerous. He can snatch you. He can um, bull rush you. He can hit us. He's his signature spin move. Gets me. It it, it, it almost gets me every time. <laughs> but we definitely go back and forth with uh, with it. And um, he's a great he's a great athlete and a great player. 
such a versatile player too. He spent a lot of time talking about just like this guy can play anywhere. He could probably play tight end. Has he ever taken any reps on offense? He tried to steal your position. He he, he can run, but he try he tries. He he always tells me, "Oh, I can play tight end. I can come play tight end." <laughs> it's not it's not that easy, but you know, I wouldn't knock it. Talk talk to me more about your film habits. I heard, you know, a lot of players as they go through their collegiate careers, they feel that their improvement most is their football IQ and and how they approach film and how they game plan. How much does that improve for you at Texas A&M? And I guess what is a, you know, a game week look like for you on film, playing tight end? What are you looking for from an opposing defense those tendencies? So, the things I look for in the defense would uh, obviously be their what down they're playing, whether they whether they play a four down or a three down whether they could turn that four down into a jam front by uh, bringing somebody on the line. Like I could say, um, Alabama does that a couple, Alabama did that a couple of times. Um, I could see how, how uh, close their linebackers play and how far their linebackers play if they uh, bite on the play action. I like to see their safety's eyes because if their safety's eyes are in the backfield, then that's easy for a tight end to slip out and get open. Um, their DB's tendencies, uh, their corners tendencies when it comes to them cowboy, cowboying, which is a corner blitz. And uh, whether they're pressed and looking inside, or whether they they're five yards off the ball looking inside, and and they just come right there. So those are a few things I look for uh, during film. Another teammate I'd love to hear you know your relationship with, or like kind of more your perspective on just how much success he's had at Texas A&M is Isaiah Spiller, right? He has been a guy in that huddle who has been such a productive player for Texas A&M. Another guy that's you know high on people's draft radars. What is he like in practice? And I guess speak to the relationship you have with him. And I would say I would say something about him. For as much um, success that he's had over these last few years, he not one not one ounce of uh, determination and has left has left his body. He the, even I especially saw these summer workouts. He he slimmed up. He he's running faster. He's running stronger, and he's and he's more vocal. He's he's a lot more vocal in the um team meetings just being a just being a natural born leader and that's mm-hmm. that that's what he's that's what he's grown like he's grown into and it was great to see that it was great to see that I'd love to hear more about your leadership style you kind of peel back the curtain a little bit about your halftime kind of rally like hey I want to beat them so bad yeah. uh, how have you developed you feel as a leader is it that vocal piece is it that kind of on the field piece I feel I feel like uh myself I feel like uh, early, early on in my career, college career, when about fr- freshman year, I was kind of quiet because mm-hmm. I was a new guy, you know, and uh, just learning and taking in and absorbing all the um, information from the veterans like Kellen or Jamon Osmond or or Courtney Davis, just absorbing their information in, taking it in. And sophomore year, when I started to make plays and be uh, one of the center points of the offense, I really started to become more vocal and um, and really motivated the guys when in, ter- in terms of my consistency in, in practice or um, my aggressiveness or just versatility in, in, the, uh, in practice every, every, every week. And um, that's why I can say I motivated them guys doing. We can close with this, Jalen. I really appreciate the time. You're going to go through a lot of interviews, right? It's going to be media, teams, all this stuff, all asking kind of the same series of questions. What are your strengths? You know, how much do you love football? All that stuff. Coming out of these interviews, what's kind of the biggest thing you want teams to take away in terms of what you bring to the table and I guess the difference you bring at the position you play? I can say I'm a really versatile player. Um, I can do I can do a lot of things, and I've been asked to do a lot of things at um, A&M. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm just uh, I'm being myself, you know. I've been I've been raised by a great family and a great community, and um, I want the just everybody to see that and and know that um, 
I come from a I come from a good place. My heart's in a good place, and um, that I'm a baller on the field. That I could be a baller on the field. So uh, yeah, that's what I would like them to take away from that. Fantastic stuff, dude. I wish you the best of luck in this process. I know it's going to be hectic. I hope you get through it and get through it well. Um, and like I said, best of luck moving forward. Awesome. Thank you so much to meet you, and thank you for having me. Now that's going to do it for the Tailgate Podcast. Thank you again. Shout out to everyone who did the speakpipe.com slash tailgate submissions. Those are hilarious. I'm excited to do more um, as we progress forward in our mailbag episodes. We're going to get into the bonus mailbag season too. Wednesdays or Thursdays and Fridays mailbag episodes for the boys. Until next time though, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Tailgate.